You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him, Christ. And are we not witnessing in mass media and social media everywhere, people bad-mouthing, slandering, blaspheming Christ? This is talking about the second coming when Jesus returns at the end of the tribulation period. He'll come with his saints. It's safe to say that our culture doesn't like Jesus. As Christians in the fray of this animosity, how do we maintain our witness? Today in his message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that you must never forget that Jesus is coming back. Remain committed to hiding God's word in your heart and be prepared for Jesus to redeem the world. The story isn't over. As sad and horrifying as the current circumstances of our world are, Jesus wants to save the whole world save souls in the name of Jesus and grow his kingdom. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 as he continues his message, Arm Yourselves. Once you get persecuted real good, something in you gets set free. Because now I don't care what they think. I let them talk. I don't care what they think. Ask me, have I run across any of those people from my class that day? Ah, they're gone. I've never seen them. I don't know what happened to them. And I got to the place where I said, I don't care. I'm going to take a stand for Christ. I don't care. Yak away. Now, if I do something bad and I get persecuted for it, I deserve it. But if I'm living for Christ and they're coming at me because of my testimony, I don't care what they think. I don't care what they say. Because the fear of man brings a snare. Proverbs. Fear of man brings a snare. We all need to be set free from the fear of what people are going to say or think. That rules most people. Fear of man. I got to toe the line because I don't want them thinking badly of me. So we'll go with the crowd instead of standing up distinct from the crowd. We go with the crowd like lemmings off a cliff because we're so afraid of what people are going to say or think. They're going to die like you. Who cares what they think? We need to get to the place where we play for an audience of one. I play for an audience of one. (sighs) Let them talk. There's an old castle in England and engraved on the wall of this old castle, I mean really old, centuries old, somebody put on this castle. They say, what do they say? Let them say. Amen. So here it is. We should no longer live the rest of our time in the flesh. That's not the will of God. For the lust that drove us before we knew Christ. But we're to live for the will of God. We're to live for the will of God. We're in enemy territory as Christians. Can I have an amen? Amen. We're in a battle that few soldiers get by with unscathed. We're in a battle. It's for life. And in our spiritual battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil, virtually nobody who loves the Lord is going to get by without some scrapes and wounds. It's almost impossible to do because we're in a real battle. Real. Every day. 
forces of darkness against the forces of light. And we're with the light. Peter says in order to win the fight, we're not to live our lives uh, giving way to the flesh or to fear. We're to be submitted as good soldiers to, the, to uh, the will of God and fully live for him. I live for the, why do you live? I live for the will of God. I live to do his bidding. Every day, he's the boss applesauce. I, he's Lord and I'm not. He's boss and I'm not. And every day, I'm serving the will of God. Every day. And that makes the difference between men and women. Boys and girls. People are just playing at Christianity and people who mean business. Now to further ha hammer home the point, Peter turns his readers to memories of how they used to live. And here comes this laundry list again. Verse three, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and, and abominable idolatries. In other words, we might've gotten away with these things when we were pagans, but that is out of the question now that we are his. Amen. There's a difference between believers and non-believers. People ought to be able to tell, what's the matter with you? How come you're not doing what we do? Because I've been saved. Amen. I've had an encounter with Christ. Amen. Let me look at these words real quick. Lewdness, we walked in lewdness. That just sounds nasty. <laughs> lewdness. <laughs> It is nasty. It refers to indecency, lack of restraint, outrageous conduct. That's what lewdness means. In 2 Peter 2, 7, Peter uses the same Greek word to describe the filthy lifestyle of the homosexuals of Sodom. Same word, lewdness, lack of restraint, indecent, outrageous conduct. Lust refers to an inordinate fleshly desire of any kind, not just sexual, a craving for something God condemns, okay? Drunkenness. Now, of course, that's excess wine or strong drink. This Greek word is also associated with debauchery, sensual, wasteful living like the kind the prodigal son lost himself in, drunkenness, drinking too much. Um, Jeff's life is a sip is too much for me. I'm not trying to put that on you because the Bible doesn't say you can't have, um, I don't know how much, but the Bible says, watch out for drunkenness. However, tonight we got a call on to every man an answer. And um, the question was, I've got a friend that's smoking pot all the time. And he says, as long as I do it in moderation, as a Christian, I'm fine. So what do you, would you say to my friend? And I said, well, let me tell you what I tell your friend. First of all, it's a mind-altering drug. The word for drunkenness in the Bible means intoxication. They, didn't, they weren't smoking joints in the first century, but marijuana is intoxicating. It's a, a mind-altering drug. Now, so we can easily kind of extrapolate that word drunkenness and say anything that, that uh, affects, that alters your mind, breaks down your willpower, affects your perception and the keen edge of your spiritual life. Amen. It is 
all important to me that I keep a keen edge. I could never pastor without it. I got to keep a keen edge. By the grace of God, every day, I'm in that word and I'm keeping a keen edge. I, I don't want to be clouded. I, I don't want to be in half a stupor. If the devil's coming at me, I want to see it. Are you with me? Okay. But then I found in Revelations 9, there's, John is having this revelation of the people of the earth are seeing the judgments of God fall in terrible ways. The ecosystem is being destroyed. People are being killed. The judgments of God, the, the seal judgments, the bowl judgments, the trumpet judgments are falling. And in Revelation chapter 9, John observes by the Spirit that the whole world, nobody in the tribulation world is repenting. They know that it's the judgments of God, but they're not repenting. And, it, and then he lists what they're not repenting of. And one of them, he says, sorceries. Ah, stop. Because that word sorceries in the Greek is pharmakos. From which we get the word pharmacy. And it literally means drugs. So the world experiencing the judgments of God are refusing to repent of drug abuse, pharmacos. And the Bible associates drug abuse with sorcery. You've heard me say a lot, and I'll say this because I love you. You can go do what you want. Listen, chew the meat and spit out the bones. If you don't agree with me, you're wrong, but go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But here's the deal. I can tell you what I believe is, is biblical, but then you got to either agree or not, walk it or not. But I love you enough to tell you, you want to open the doorway to hell? One of the fastest ways is pharmacos, a drug. And there's so many out there now, so many illicit. Now, when a doctor prescribes a drug, antibiotic, for instance, if you're burning up with a fever and you're in danger of dying or something, they give you a, a antibiotic. That's a good drug in the sense that it saves your life. But I'm talking about illicit, wrong drugs, street drugs, from hallucinogenics to opioids, fentanyl, coke, heroin, meth, laboratory drugs, the illicit. You open that door, hear me, you may not come back watching at home, listening later on radio. I got to tell you the truth. I've been a pastor a long time. I've buried too many people who went through that door and never came back. These days, there are drugs. You can do one hit and it's all you think about the next day. I got to do that again. Look at the streets of Philadelphia, LA, Portland. I could name them. Look at the zombies walking around who aren't even, who are no longer uh, in reality, no longer able to do anything but stoop forward like they're counting something on the ground. Their minds are gone, bodies are gone, future is gone. Do you think they woke up one day and said, I think today I'm going to go ruin my life? No, they opened the door from which they never returned. Now, Jesus can deliver you. 
He delivered me. Now, I was never hooked. He, I was never hooked. I was in, thank God, I never had enough money to get anything. I, I, but I, I did do drugs for a couple of years to my regret. But it was, it was pot and regrettably LSD. But I never did the opioid thing. And I was in drugs two years and I got saved. But now, it's a whole different game now. Fentanyl. Well, yeah, I've heard about people dying, but not me, because my friends told me it has this mixture and it's safe and I can do this much. Don't, don't you believe a word they say. They don't care about you if they're trying to get you to take a drug. They don't care. About, I didn't mean to preach on this, but I'm going to preach on this. Listen. You say, well, not Christians. Oh, Christians die all the time. They get sucked into this craziness and these lies and these deceptions. Pharmacos. God says it's sorcery. That's a witchcraft word. That means it opens a door to the dark side. You may not come back. We've had people in this church. We've had people go through our school who worked hard, graduated, got caught up in that stuff, and they're not even recognizable. So I say, you got to be smart and wise. You got to say, there's some things in life I don't even do once. I don't even need to try once. If I could talk to all the young people in the whole country, and I'm sure they would love me, If I could talk to all the young people in the whole country, I would say, if you never take a sip of alcohol, never touch a drug, you haven't missed a thing. Get full of the Holy Ghost. Don't touch it, folks. The devil's out for your life these days. Your life. He wants to take you out before you have a chance to know Christ or before you have a chance to really serve Christ and bear fruit, he wants to take you out. So that's free, that's not in my notes, I'm just throwing it out there because he said drunkenness, drunkenness. So so can that mean pharmacos? Yes. Revelries, it's from a word that conjures the picture of a band of rebels. Uh, more than half drunk, making their disorderly way down the street. We see them all the time, creating disturbances as they go because drunk people don't care what they do to you or how much noise they make or how much trash they leave behind. Revelries, okay? Drinking parties. He literally said that. Nothing new under the sun. Refers to the heavy drinking associated with festivals, rock concerts. Oh, I'm sorry, didn't say that. Large gatherings of revelers or a house party filled with drunken people. He said, that's the way you were. Abominable idolatries, the idol worship that so often led to immorality, drunkenness, and even demonic activity. Now this had been the lives of many of them before they met Christ. How many of you can say, be honest, one or more of those, that was me. Come on, tell the truth. The rest of you, you just lied in church. (laughs) I'm kidding. If there's people in here that can't identify with any of that, hallelujah. The encouraging thing with this terrible list, it was past tense. You were. 
And Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, had set them free. 1 Corinthians 6, 11 says, such were some of you, but you were washed, sanctified, justified by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. Amen. In fact, these new Christians have been so powerfully delivered and radically changed that their old friends couldn't believe the change they saw. Verse four, in regard to these, your former friends think it's strange, <laughs> don't they? What do you mean you don't want to go party, man? Come on, dude. When you don't plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do anymore, they can't figure it out. What's the matter with you? We live to party. Party hardy. That's our philosophy. Our old running buddies scratch their heads when we no longer involve ourselves in prodigal, wasteful living. To them, it's the only way to go and the only way to live. And they really believe when they die and they go to hell, that they're going to be down there with their buddies with the pickup truck and put down and drinking beer and talking about old times. And it's such stupidity because nobody is going to rejoice in hell or have any kind of a good time. Once saved, we receive a transformed nature. We discover that the things we used to hate, goodness, clean living, moral purity, we now love with our new inner man. And things we used to love, immorality, drunkenness, selfishness, and sinful living, now revolt our new inner man. Amen. We have a brand new nature and the world just can't wrap their minds around it. So they choose to slander and persecute the new Christian. And Peter warns those who slander Christians. Verse five, they will give an account. Did everybody hear that? They will give an account to him who is, listen to the way it describes Christ, ready to judge the living and the dead. You gotta be so careful what you say. I've been mocked thousands of times by lost people. My old friends, when I first went to them and told them I was saved, I'm gonna tell you the truth, what happened? One of them pulled out a joint, lit it, and blew it in my face and said, you'll be back. I said, no, I won't. I buried him, died of crack. And I saw him in an urn, nothing left. Blew it in my face, said, you'll be back. He should have listened to me, to my testimony. I know this is a sober night. This is real stuff. This is where we live. This is real talk. Are you ready now? Real talk. Let me move along. They'll give an account. Peter says, God is ready to judge all men, both the living and the dead. Those who abuse and slander God's people think that they can do as they please with impunity. Yet there is one who hears all they say and sees all that they do. While they may not be judged in this life, they are most certainly going to be judged in the next one. And not just those who abuse and slander God's people, but this is where it gets really real to me. Those who slander our Lord. Peter's going to address that. He said, they're going to answer to God. Jude, Jude, for instance, writes this. This is Jude. The Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. So judgment is coming. Everybody say that with me. Judgment is coming. As surely as we sit here. Now watch. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done 
and for all the insults that ungodly sinners have spoken against him, Christ. And are we not witnessing in mass media and social media everywhere, people bad-mouthing, slandering, blaspheming Christ? This is talking about the second coming when Jesus returns at the end of the tribulation period. He'll come with his saints, the very ones that harsh sinners slandered and persecuted. He'll come back with them. And the Bible records in Matthew's gospel, all the nations will be gathering in his presence. And he'll separate the people like the shepherd separates sheep from goats. He'll place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to the ones on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father. This is the born again, children of God. He'll say to those who are blessed, of, come, you that are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. Prepared from the creation of the world. Verse 41, then he'll turn to the leftists. I mean, the, those on the left. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. A little levity here. And say, away with you you cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Notice, hell wasn't prepared for people. It was prepared for the devil and the demons. But when Adam fell and we all went with him, if we refuse to repent, we go where it was meant for the devil and demons. So you're not gonna be partying down there. Uh, eternal fire, everybody say eternal fire. See, there's people saying there's no hell. I looked it up. Here's the Greek. Poor Ionios, poor, P-U-R, but you, you say poor, is fire. Ionios is ages without end. Poor Ionios. Away with you, you cursed ones, into poor Ionios. Prepare for the devil and his demons. Unending, everlasting fire. So while we preach the gospel, there's plenty of these kinds of blasphemers and mockers in our day. For instance, there's hardly a more, in my opinion, a more godless, malicious, irreverent, sick, and Christ-hating group of people in America than the majority of so-called comedians late night comedians, um, the popular ones that are out there with massive followings. Um, I thought about quoting some of them, but the quotes were so blasphemous, I can't. Sarah Silver, I'm gonna name them. They're out there. Sarah Silverman, Conan O'Brien has said horrible things. Now this is not all of them by any stretch. Bill Maher has blasphemed all the time. Mock Christ mock God and all believers. Kathy Griffin, oh, save her Lord. Terrible. She got her Oscar and mocked Christ when she got it. Uh, John Stewart, there's so many. Jude said they'll answer directly to the one they've mocked. <sighs> you know what? I'm gonna stop there. This is sobering stuff, isn't it, folks? And this is the real word of God. This is not fluff talk. It's not scratch your ear talk. This is real Bible. That's why I call it letters that burn. You can almost smell the smoke a little bit, right? 
but we need to hear these things. This is reality. Amen. In today's message, Pastor Jeff showed you the significance of leaving the world's lies in the rearview mirror. The more you remain committed to God's biblical truths, the closer to His divine purpose you become. Staying true to God's divine plan requires discipline in hiding His Word in your heart. Always keep God's plan as your guiding light, ignoring the world's falsehoods. The more you let the lies of the world into your heart, the further from God's heart you'll become. For more teachings and information about this ministry, we encourage you to check out hardwired.org. Pastor Jeff Wickwire has many more messages there. You'll find them under the audio tab. This will surely help you be encouraged in the Word. Once again, that's hardwired.org. We want to invite you to come back again next time for another teaching from Pastor Jeff. Daniel has more on that, giving you something to look forward to. Do you know that no matter what the world tells you about freedom, the only way to experience it is through Jesus? Did you know that His love will be the only thing that liberates you from the pain of this earth? In his next message, Pastor Jeff illustrates the freedom that comes from surrendering to God's free gift of grace. No worldly philosophy will ever provide the freedom that comes from the blood of Jesus. The deepest freedom will always be found in a life centered on Christ. There's more Pastor Jeff has to share from the book of 1 Peter, so be sure to join us again. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it online at hardwired.org. We're so glad we could be part of your day today, and we pray you've been blessed by today's edition of Hardwired.